content warning. This podcast contains coarse language and cheeky themes. So if you've got kids in the car, colleagues in the office, or a nonna in the kitchen, chuck some headphones in. Who the bloody hell are we? Conversations about immigration and culture in Australia with your hosts, Mel and Sonia. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I'm Sonia Diorio, and sitting across from me in a totally different house is my co-host, Melissa Viola. Hello. Hello, Sonia. How are you? Great. We are once again separate but together. Yeah, it's beautiful. uh, I miss touching your face. Uh, You know, I miss... Maybe crossing some boundaries of personal space when I'm near you, but you know what? I'm sure for everyone's benefit, this is the right thing to do. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't miss that. No, I do. I do. I do. We've been in lockdown long enough that I miss you touching me inappropriately. You miss, you miss the groping. That's how, how long it's been. All right. Um, That's healthy. Are you excited That's for friendship. another episode? Mate, I'm always up for it. It's great. Awesome. I'm very excited um, for our guest today. Yes. Well, we do have a wonderful guest. His name is... Oh, fuck. I fucked that. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is my favorite. No, we can't. Oh, we have Sonia. to leave that in. That is so yeah, yeah. beautiful. No, I'm happy for you. shut the bed with I'm your own friend. I'm happy to leave that in considering what I'm going to say at the end of your um, <laughs> intro. So his name is Dilruk Jayasinha. He is yes. a comedian. <laughs> He has performed all around the country, sold out shows at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, performed at Just for Laughs, and he's been all over the TV. He's been on Utopia, Have You Been Paying Attention, on The Project, on Husey We Have a Problem, and he joins us here today. Thanks for joining us, Dill. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Oh, uh, such a nice little reminder of all the cool things I got to do and I have no chance of doing anymore. It's I'm really so nice. Sad no, to... but no, I mean that quite sincerely because you can get like kind of locked up in this funk of, you know, only focusing on this future unknown that, you know, when you have someone like you list that stuff, I'm like, oh, fuck, man. Dude, yeah. What a good, oh. what a good wicket. <laughs> you know? um, excuse really me. Nice. Yeah, I didn't even say that you want a Logie. Right. You also want a Logie (laughs) somehow, but um, it happened. Somehow. Thanks for making me feel welcome into your podcast. First you get the name wrong. Then first you stumble, like fucking get off the block, smash into all the hurdle one by one. Then somehow manage to stick the landing and then at the very last minute just cockily look at your opponents and say somehow he got it. No, somehow best new talent in 2018. Very deserving. Very deserving. um, I feel like I fished for that. (laughs) You bet all those people off neighbours and home and away. Well, well, correct, exactly. What's true? like a popular category for um, people on... Soaps. Yeah. yeah, so I would say I, it's because it is most most popular as opposed to best new talent, it was most popular <laughs> that I can officially <laughs> declare it as being, yeah, I, you know what I mean? Like the most amount of votes received by a person in that year. That's that's how yeah. like you, you might not like what I did uh, <laughs> and my work <laughs> or find me funny, but I got more votes than Sam Frost from <laughs> The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when people say, well, it's just a popularity competition. Yeah, that's exactly what it Literally is. Literally what it and is. you won. Yeah. It was so mm. interesting because I was trying to convey back to my uh, parents back in Sri Lanka. I mean, they mm. were, uh, sorry, my parents were obviously fully super supportive and excited, but the yep. relos about, you know, what this award is 
and in the context to the Logies and how how cool it was for me to win something like that. Um, I tried to rem- tell them who the previous winners were and uh, things like Chris Hemsworth and 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 Simon Baker, wow. right? I'm like they literally won this yeah. same award when they were newcomers, right? Still nothing. And then finally I said Jason Donovan won it. They're like, oh my god, Jason Donovan <laughs> from Sealed with a Kiss. <laughs> I usually mention how I know our guests and um, I know you obviously through doing stand-up comedy and I feel like you're one of the first, like one of the really early people I met in stand-up. Like because a lot of people come and go throughout the years and you're kind of along with, you know, one of the first early groups. um, Yeah, yeah, I think... Yeah, I feel so like we, I, my first gig years. was. Yeah, and you still can't get my name right, asshole. <laughs> I, um, I, well, yeah, I remember because I started in uh, September 2010, and so that's literally coming up to 10 years ago. And I, uh, we met at the Comics Lounge workshops. The, the, the there was a, on Tuesdays from six to eight p.m. If you're a new comic, you get to try and practice your stuff. And I remember you had mm. a bit about working in ice cream in an ice cream place that I used yes. to really enjoy. And uh, that uh, yeah, and I think we started chatting since then. So yeah, we've known each other for ten years. Yeah, yeah, and I some groundbreaking content there, Sonia. <laughs> the ice cream. About ice cream. No, it was really <laughs> funny about. about can I remember if wasn't. I remember it correctly? It was about yeah, hot. Yeah. It was about having uh, a father, a hot dad, come in, <laughs> and you're trying to like, <laughs> trying to like flirt with the hot dad. That sounds <laughs> about right. Ice cream for his kid. <laughs> That is terrible. Oh, the um, fact that I remembered it means that it's not. If it like, if, yeah, you know, actually, yeah, that's not true. If it was really horrendous, maybe that's why I remembered it. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, you mentioned, uh, yeah, your family back in Sri Lanka briefly, and their love of Jason Donovan. <laughs> that's how they connect to this country. Um, what what year did you come over here? 2004, February 18th, mm-hmm. uh, I think, I believe, was the night I took the flight out of Sri Lanka. So I probably got here on the 19th. Yeah. To, uh, so it's 16 and a half years now, which wow. is really weird for me because I was 19 when I left. So I'm very much coming up to close of it being half and half in terms yeah. of my entire lifetime. But also yeah. if you really discount the first three years of your life as not really being conscious uh, of what happens. It feels like half and half of my life has been in, in, in Australia. Having said the consciousness thing, I just realized I was a pisshead for a good 10 years. So yep. there's a good <laughs> chunk of consciousness uh, that I probably wouldn't have, uh, that I, you know, that I had in Australia that vanished, yeah, I guess. You don't Holy remember shit, 19 is so young. Did you mm. anticipate to move permanently at 19 or was it just something no. that you were... Yeah. No, the reason I ended up in Australia was because I fucked around and I forgot to apply to America and UK. Like that's <laughs> honestly, genuinely the reason why I ended up here is because I I don't know what I, I was like a super studious kid. Like, you know, I was the type of kid that if I didn't get a hundred on maths, I'd be upset because maths was the one thing that I knew that I just if you if I'm right, you have to give me the answer. You I don't care what mood you're in. You know, the squares, the square root of certain numbers is that particular digit. Uh, and I was just like, give it to me. And so if I got 97, I'd be like, bugger, missed it. Wow. But for some reason, 
I didn't focus on uni and application process and, you know, because America was like SATs and all that kind of stuff. And, and I just kind of let it go. And then by the time my dad was like, hey, what are your plans for university? I'm like, oh, yeah, I figured I'll just do something here in Australia. And he's like, hey, in Sri Lanka. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, why aren't you applying to like UK? I'm like, oh, I've kind of missed that. He goes, what? He's like, he's like, I thought it's a bit too expensive. He's like, it's not your call. Like, <laughs> he's like, you, you let me worry about that anymore. Yeah. I'm like, it was, so then I looked at, and then the applications, because Australia, uh, the semesters were different, obviously summer. And, and so I still had a chance to apply to Australia. And uh, that's what I did. And it was a very last minute thing. I originally applied to Monash, but they knocked me back for some reason. <laughs> and then I, uh, so I ended up at Melbourne Uni. Mm. You and were Monash, so, weren't you? Uh, no, I no. went to Latrobe. We both did. Latrobe. That's how we met. That's yeah, where we met. Right. Did I host an awards thing for you? Or at or, Latrobe? Or yeah, I think yeah. I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The student union. Yeah, yeah. They always ask me <laughs> for um, recommendations for hosts. Right, right, right. And um, yeah. of course, you're a fantastic host. Good memories at Latrobe. Uh, that was great because you spoke about your uni experience and your. Um, cause you had a bit about, um, you know, wanting to be a real student. Ice cream student. and of hot dad. Yes, yeah, no? hot dads. <laughs> um, no, and then like you came here and you got introduced to VB. What was it? <laughs> Do you remember? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just started, yeah, but it's about, you know, being, my parents spending all this money and I, about becoming, I can't even remember, but VB was definitely a reference. And, yeah. um. Which is true. I genuinely started loving VB and Shannon Noel for some reason. <laughs> Non-ironically. <laughs> non, Non-ironically. Non okay, admittedly, initially ironically, as a joke, initially I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I would started telling people my favourite singer is the most recent runner-up of Australian Idol? So Because I think he ran, was the runner-up the year before. But then I started listening. I'm like, nah, this guy's great. And <laughs> Shannon Noel's lift genuinely got me through a triathlon because I was singing the song in my head. Um, and I find him quite inspirational. <laughs> wow. That is too wholesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and any Jason Donovan songs that um, yeah. we should be listening so to? So it's going to be a cruel, lonely summer. You might have to pay for this because my voice is so good. It sounds exactly like the original version <laughs> that, that you might have to pay royalties. <laughs> it's interesting, though, um, yeah, what, you know, your family's from Sri Lanka, and it's interesting what parts of our, uh, you know, popular culture break through and what don't, you know? Yeah. Like Thor, I, yeah, I, whatever. But Jason Donovan, like that really <laughs> cracked. You know? Well, Neighbours was huge in Sri Lanka in the yep. late 80s, early 90s, I think, and Kylie and Jason and all that stuff. And then yeah. um, and then the songs in particular, you know, like Let's Get, um, not Let's Get Physical, what were some of Kylie's early ones? Uh, locomotion. locomotion locomotion that's the one i was thinking um, of yeah locomotion all those those were huge hits in sri lanka yeah. and and there is there's always these people who find weird popularity in a particular part like i think uh is it tina arena who's huge in france and yeah. and uh, yeah she can also like speaks french so i'm pretty sure she's like oh, now i know a little about tina arena she went to my high school <laughs> yeah. so she's my uh oh, really? she's my shannon nold <laughs> um, right right yeah she's huge in france I'm, yeah. I'm sure she'd love to know that she's known as uh, the Shannon Knoll of your high school. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I think it's really quite strange. I mean, obviously, Sri Lanka was hugely affected by Australian cricket. Um, mm -hmm. And yep. it's really quite bizarre how much. And I don't even mean this 
as a joke, even though I, I do talk about it on stage, I genuinely hated Australia in yeah. the year 1995. Like it was uh, the cricket rivalry was peak at that point. There yeah. was this whole, uh, if you know anything about Australian cricket history and stuff, there was uh, Sri Lankan Bolo who had thus uh, bowling action. His name is Mutai Muralidharan. And people always were not sure whether he was chucking or not. And then this uh, umpire, you know, called him no ball. And it was a big controversy. It was on, you know, was, I don't want to get into it because I get really passionate about him more so than Jason Donovan <laughs> uh, chats. Um, but that kicked off this rivalry and there was this genuine, you know, a 10-year-old, you got to remember it's a 10-year-old who loves his yep. team, uh, a hatred for Shane Warne, for Ricky Ponting, for, uh, you know, wow. Mark Taylor, all these he people who my friends consider heroes, Steve Waugh, Mark Waugh, like I hated them. And, oh, <laughs> I'll even throw in Glenn McGrath. And the reason I was throwing Glenn McGrath with such impassionate tone is because I am now, here's a name drop, friends with his wife. So <laughs> I, have, I have changed my tone. Don't get me wrong. Wow. But at the time, they were such awful, like so competitive. And this is the thing that I think I get now as, a, as an Aussie that I didn't get as a Sri Lankan. Mm. Australians, when it comes to sports, you don't fuck around. <laughs> there is nothing, there's no, like, you play by the rules. I mean, unfortunately, you know, Steve Smith and his yeah. pals messed up a little bit. But you try, you go as hard as you can. And I never learned it. And I learned it the hard way once I came here because I never played sport as a kid. But, you know, we were playing beach cricket or something like that with my mates. And I'm, like, you know, swiveling uh, my, my, my beer on there. And my friend John, who is, like, the sweetest, most kind-hearted person, just fucking yelled at me going, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Catch the ball if it's coming. I'm like, John, John, there's no white line for you to even have fever. Fucking chill out. Yeah. Like, just can't. We're playing beach cricket, champ, right? But no, that's the thing. Like, there's a culture in Australian sport that when you're on the field, you give it your best. You don't, you know, you know, you can sledge and stuff and try and be funny. But when it comes to, you know, effort, effort. Trump's all. And that's what I think I didn't understand the way the Aussies was going so hard. And such a good team as well. They were one of, mm. oh, such a mm. good team. And Sri Lanka was just, just behind them. And then started the, 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 the trend turned the other way when Sri Lanka got better. So it has this narrative for me in my lifetime where they were the villains and, and, Austra and Sri Lankans were the heroes. So when this opportunity to come to Australia happened, I was like, oh, fuck, it's just going to be a whole bunch of Shane Warns and Steve Warns, <laughs> and I don't know how I'm going to fit in, and oh, it's just going to annoy me. And honestly, like, Australia became home for me within, like, far out six months. I think it just mm. became I, – I, even quicker, I felt so welcomed um, to – this country that is probably why I'm still here 16 years later and there's a weird part of me that when I say that I feel there's a little hesitation when I say it because mm -hmm. I know that's not the story a lot of immigrants have mm -hmm. and and there's a weird sense of I don't think it's quite the right word but a feeling of uh, survivor's guilt or some kind of thing where I'm like I fucking love this place so much and it bums me out that not every per immigrant has had the experiences I've had. You know what I mean? And sometimes I try and look back as to why mine was so different. And and some some sort of scary things pop up. Like, I'm like, was it because I was a pisshead? I was able to scull a pint of beer in four, four seconds. Like, was that what mm -hmm. made me a more, you know, a better immigrant or a more assimilated immigrant? Was it the fact that 
my my you know my accent the ability to, for me to sort of talk a little bit more with an Aussie twang helped or you know was it the fact that I knew so much about American pop culture that I was able to relate quicker do you know what I mean what are the things that I brought or was it humor like do you know what I mean was it the sense mm-hmm. of humor but whatever it was my like I, I know firsthand that my experiences of Australia is very different to my friends who came over here as uni students. There were some of them who who have Aussie citizenships and probably never visited an Australian home. Like they 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 moved to Australia, they they you know they find other Sri Lankans to that you know their family friends with yeah. or whatever, and mm-hmm. they build their little networks around that. And and I get it because that first six months, I guess that the homesickness I felt was brutal because mm-hmm. I'd never visited this country. I traveled here alone, so all of those things like were really getting to me. So I can see why you'd gravitate towards what you're familiar with and rather than explore the unknown. But I think because of my love of VB, I started to stray <laughs> the other way, and then you know like here's a classic example i had a pretty bad couple of weeks three three weeks ago when i realized that coming up in this december it'll be the first time i've never had a christmas with my family Mm. or mom and dad in particular so since i'm 35 years old and for 35 years i've always been with them around christmas and it it saddened me so much and i was like all right i need to be proactive because I live alone here in this apartment in Melbourne. I'm like, I called up like different mates and said, okay, I'm going to be at your house on the 24th. And then I called another friend. All right, I'm leaning on you on the 25th. All right, who wants me on the 26th? Like I have all these different Aussie families that welcomed me like 16 years as well as, you know, 15 years ago. Like I was that part of that that world so quickly. And I, I guess I, there's, a, there's a weird like I think you can tell that I'm so proud of it and so proud of my life here, but I also feel kind of sad that that's not the experience that everyone necessarily has. That's totally understandable. And it's come up before on this podcast, like the um, acceptance of different people or, or actually different migrant groups, like the privilege that, you know, people have, you know, our parents as white migrants are a lot more accepted than other people who are who immigrate here and um, they're black or they're Asian or um, are not white, are not Anglo. So it's totally understandable that you, you know, you have this um, love and acceptance that you feel here, but um, you recognize you. I think the the recognition is really important mm. that not everyone has that same. Um, experience and um, what what can we do sort of to help and I, I feel like um, in your stand-up you know you've spoken about refugees and like why do you think that there is some line that people need to wait in when pe- there's people out there suffering so much more than others. Mm. Like I always mm. remember your bit about, you know, people waiting in the doctor's office. Someone's got a yeah. cold, someone's got an axe through their head. It's like, no, wait yeah. in line. You know, but there's <laughs> people... Know- yeah, <laughs> I had to change acts through the head because it was too graphic, <laughs> and so so I went with uh, get you know uh, allergic to peanuts and eating a Snickers bar. Yeah, so it's like two people choking, and you know like one's got a cough and one's like literally choking for breath, and and uh, because acts through the head was you know it's is how I felt on. like I I was trying to like paint a graphic like a picture of going saying look fuck like seriously people are running for their lives yeah and yeah. and it's it's something that I I I spoke about in one year's show but I know I never truly got 
my head around it and I would love to revisit it one day. But but the concept I was trying to play with is the idea that no one at the end of the day wants to move house. None of us, even in our situation, like moving house is one of the most stressful, awful things. And we will tolerate shitty housemates and, and, and terrible neighbors because the concept of packing up and leaving is so much effort and, and is a pain. So can you imagine how fucked your situation needs to be if you're willing to put your you and your family's lives at mm. risk on a rickety mm. boat if mm. you're you know with not even with the guarantee that you're going to get somewhere right and we whinge about having to move from like you know brunswick to richmond and imagine if you got to richmond and they said all right now fuck off back to brunswick you know like that 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 concept is is stressful for us so if anyone's going to do that it has to be out of you know genuine Please help me. Because I try to, in a way, because of the position that I'm in, where mm. I'm an immigrant with such a like a genuine love of, of the Australian people and the mm. way I've treated it. It's not to say that I haven't had my, you know, fair dose of racism here mm. and there. Mm. It even happened uh, eight months ago on Russell Street, you know, yeah. near, near Burke. Like, it was just weird. Like, I'm like, no, not in the city. With uh -huh. this, there's too many foreigners here, mate. Find another spot. <laughs> like, you know, we're, we're probably, there's more of us than you right now here. Well, you know? you'll accept Especially the racism in, if you're in regional Victoria, but if you're in the yeah, CBT, true. like, fuck you. Not in, not in Chinatown. <laughs> yeah. No, but um, but uh, but because of that position that I have as a person who does feel very welcomed here, I always try to see in a weird way. I try to empathize with that ignorant way of looking at life, that ignorant thinking, because I know the same people that welcomed me might have very strong views about certain other groups, and I try to understand. And and I think the the only way I processed it is because I like to believe, at least, and I could be wrong, that no one's no one's bad. They're just misinformed, or they're just uh, willingly ignorant, or you know, genuinely good people can have incorrect thoughts and my myself included like i would look at certain things that are the, my views on uh, sexual orientation when i was in a catholic school uh, in my teens is very different to who the type of person yeah. i am today so i think that maybe because of my own kind of uh, prejudice that it can exist and how you can learn yourself out of it i feel like i want to believe that people you know there are assholes through and through don't get me wrong but i just think that you know there's potential so basically you know what you're saying that there were so many factors for you moving to Australia and feeling kind of quite instantly uh, attached to Australia and feeling like Melbourne was home, which is mm -hmm. really lovely to hear that you like quite quickly adapted and felt comfortable here. Do you feel like being at university surrounded by such like a multicultural group, especially at Melbourne where, you know, like it's a very good school. Um, do you feel like that helped engage you in Melbourne culture and like maybe like, get rid of some of that homesickness? I I would feel like it might have been the I, I genuinely think the uni experience is why I am still here like because there's nothing that I would say that's good in my life in Australia that doesn't start with that first week in uh, at uni in orientation week like all the friends I have the jobs I ended up at like all of that starts with that there was this big weekend that we you know was an orientation camp and the thing I find difficult is to admit that I think it might be because I was a pisshead. Like, <laughs> I think it was because I was this kid from Sri Lanka who never really drank before that, you know, was walking around Melbourne Uni with a bum bag because that's why I kept my passport and and all my important documents to then all of a sudden being able to just colour jug in 11 seconds. Like, I was being... <laughs> 
like this is a true story. The week after that camp, I was at a, I think it was the Armadale Hotel, like at another friend's time that invited me to come and have some drinks. And some rando came and said, man, are you the Sri Lankan guy that can skull pints? I'm like, yeah. He's like, can, I, can you skull my pint? And like, I guzzled it down in like five seconds or something. And and from there, because that notoriety of being this, you know, this, this frat, essentially what we think of American frat culture or whatever, like yeah. that, that, you know, the the uh, the animal house and all this stuff, that, that was like, that became me. And I realized that uh, because of that, I got voted onto this, uh, the Commerce Student Society. Uh, you know, again, it's all, uh, again, a popular vote, Sonia, uh, and, uh, <laughs> which I got through. And yeah. then uh, I ended up becoming the president of the Commerce Student Society, which um, I've never verified this, but I'm pretty sure I'm the first international student to do it because it's really hard to get on the committee in the first place because it's voted by the public, uh, by, by the student body. And, you know, the international students aren't coming with, you know, all their mates from Melbourne High, you know. So rather than having the typical, uh, you know, international student experience, I had this fucking warped, <laughs> you know, because because, because the, the, the thing is, being international is what made me stand out in the first place. Yeah. Like, if that was an Aussie guy who was able to scull beers that well, it just would be like, oh, another, Normal. you know, another, not, not, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But because the expectation of what a Sri Lankan student with a bum bag uh, <laughs> was able to do with beer, that expectation was so low that, that I, 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 you know, it, it looked like I was doing something even more incredible. And it even paid off when I was doing job interviews in the accounting world at all the big four accounting firms because on paper I was a kid from, you know, I was in Australia for two years, a Sri Lankan student. And I'd come in and I'd talk about like, you know, uh, uh, like the castle and all these other Aussie references. They're like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. But in my head, I don't think I'm any better than anyone else, but the expectation was so low of what an international student was going to bring to the table. So I think humor was obviously a strong point that I had, but I also think the expectation of humor to come from a Sri Lankan student who is doing all these leadership things, that those, so for me, I don't want to dismiss the fact that I think I stood out because of being an international student, mm -hmm. but then once I was got that, you know, that moniker, the things I did with it, I think surprised people and made me stand out from the bunch, if that makes sense. Unassuming. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you said it's coming up to 16 years, is it? Finished 16 years, so yeah, yeah, 2004. Mm. Um, and you became a citizen um, how long ago? Yeah, that was November 2010. So I remember it was a couple of months after, uh, after starting stand-up. And uh, it, was, um, it was at the Melbourne Town Hall where we yep. frequently stand outside of uh, when, during the comedy festival. Begging people um, to come to shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the lower town hall. And I've done, I haven't done, you know, uh, I've done a couple of, you know, performances there and it always feels nice to be able to perform on that same stage that I got my citizens, yeah. citizenship at, you know, at the lower town hall. Um, but again, yeah, it was really cool, like, you know, uh, the other people receiving their citizenship were like, again, let's uh, race is obviously a big part of this this podcast. So mm. you know they're there with uh, a lot of other people that look like them, <laughs> whereas my entourage was this like ten white people, <laughs> you know, who were there because I didn't have any of my family here with me. So it was just me by myself getting my citizenship, but all my Aussie mates, you know, you know, suited up, and it, it was quite a cool a cool day. That's so cute. Was there an expectation from your parents that you would come home, like after you studied? 
no, I don't think so necessarily because my brother was already studying overseas as well and started working o- overseas. So I felt like it, it it was not like a, I don't know, it was first, again, for a very studious kid, I had no plans for the future. Yes. I guess I just focused on what's in front of me. And and I knew I wanted money. That's, uh, that's genuinely <laughs> the one thing I knew is that I knew I wanted money. And that's why I chose uh, you know, uh, without sounding too arrogant, which I've already done a few times here on this podcast, because mm. I knew I was smart enough to study whatever I wanted to, I was like, well, which one gives me the most amount of coin? And I was like, finance and accounting. All right, I'll yep. do that then. But I, I, you know, I had grades to go into medicine or law or whatever I needed. But I just thought, oh, yeah, which where's the coin? Let's follow the money. And then the problem, the thing that changed between, you know, me coming to Australia was I found fun. <laughs> and I didn't realize that there's a thing called, you know, drinking and, and, and meeting girls and all these other things that I was like, oh, my God, let's 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 play around here a bit. So by the time I even got the job at, at the accounting firms, I'd kind of changed as a person where I still wanted money. But what I was willing to do to get the money had changed. So I'm like, mm. well, this is so unfulfilling, just doing something for the pure need of just finding money. Like I'm going to what study hard, then get a good job and work hard to get money then to finally retire and then spend the money fuck that how do i start the fun now let me do that and that's where stand-up came into me because i always wanted to try stand-up and i was like okay i love this so much and i'm shit at it and i and i I don't know how long before i can become good at it but i just love it so much i'm just going to focus on that so for me i think that's the only plan i ever had was chasing something that was fun yeah, cool. And Heck so yeah. was stand-up something you'd uh, seen growing up or was it when you came to Australia that you sort of were more exposed to it? Uh, the first stand-up I saw was Eddie Murphy's Delirious the, mm-hmm. uh, when him in the red leather jacket. Yeah. And it was, I was 11 years old when I saw it, so way too young. But uh, but my brother mm-hmm. and I watched it. My brother is five years older than me and is my best friend and has always been so he was like all right all right you come and watch this with me like but you know don't tell mom and dad we're watching and stuff and you know i like memorized so many of those routines even though it's like some of the words i didn't even know what they meant yeah. and i just would say it anyway like he uses the word and apologies for anyone who's upset they use the word pussy a lot yeah. and i thought pussy was boobs because <laughs> <laughs> because I hadn't even hit puberty yet. And at the time I knew I was attracted to boobs, but I didn't know that, you know, guys will get attracted to further south. And I was like, (laughs) when he says he wants pussy, I'm like, he must be talking about boobs, right? (laughs) So, so I, I saw it way too young, but that was what, you know, I I remember just going, what the hell is this? There's, you know, this one guy on stage telling jokes. And because I was, I was always like a funny guy, uh, you know, in school and stuff, but I was never the funniest guy. Like my brother was yep. always funnier than me at home. Yeah. I had friends who were funnier than me, but the idea of being humorous was an important, like it was a, it was a currency that was really valued in our family. So, you know, we, especially in the house I grew up in, there was 14 people in the one house. And so if you're funny, you get some attention, you know, so to break through the humor developed, but Stand up just became this thing that I would watch, you know, Eddie Murphy, Chris Rock or Eddie Izzard. Uh, And then maybe when I started watching Conan and and Jay Leno, you'd see stand up spots there. Mm. Uh, But I never saw it live until 2006. uh, So two years after coming to Australia. So there Mm -hmm. were two comedy festivals that went past. I know. And I uh, and I first person I ever saw live was Dave Hughes. Wow. And immediately after that, I saw Will Anderson Uh, and I actually found the receipt uh, from that uh, ticket purchase from 2006 
And I actually posted it on Instagram because in the 2019 Comedy Festival launch, they did a photo of like a few comedians like yeah. as a part of the launch. And I was like standing literally behind Will Anderson and then Dave Hughes. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's fucking pretty yes. exciting. Like uh, the, the fact that if that version of me in 2006 was like so inspired by these guys would know that 13 years later that I'd actually, you know, get to be hanging out with them on the other side of the microphone, I would be pretty excited. Absolutely. And like you were That's on awesome. Husey's show and yeah. yeah, I'm sure you've done many things, worked with them in, you know, many kind of capacities. Yeah. It's- I find that to be the most, I, I would say genuinely the thing that I love about what we get to do the most is the fact that we very quickly get to work with the people that inspired us yeah. to to be yeah. better in the first place. Like, you know, Celia Pocola, I reckon, is one of the best stand-ups in the country in terms of writing and and, 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 uh, and as a joke writer, but also mm. the fact that she's so honest in never, never not funny. Uh, like, her version of stand-up is what I always aspire to try and be like. And the fact that I get to do all my scenes in Utopia with her was just crazy. Yes. You know what I mean? And you've both like, got it, a special on Amazon Prime. Mm. Like <laughs> you're yeah, in the same cool, yeah. <laughs> group yeah, of people yeah, having a yeah. special and yeah. Yeah, um, I try not to let, ever not get excited about those things because it is genuinely something that uh, I just find that's uh, that's a cool part about yeah, it. Yeah, and it is something that's easily forgettable in the moment and then afterwards it's like, hey, I was hanging out with, you know, like when I met Judith Lucy and Denise Scott after a gig and like, they're like, oh, great jokes, you know, really great writing and that sort of thing. And it's like, oh, yeah, cool. And then afterwards you go home and it's like, whoa, hang on. Like these are people I love watching and like great stand-ups. And back in the day, like to think of that happening would just blow your mind. It's it's a really cool feeling. And I think, again, bringing it back to the theme of the podcast with the fact that I have parents who live overseas Mm. who are very supportive and interested in my career – means that whenever I do something here, I have to build the context to why it's a cool thing. So it almost reinforces for myself. So to say doing Utopia was really cool, but to explain to them why doing something with Working Dog Productions was such a big deal to me I had to list it out for me for them to try and explain Mm. but then as I'm listing it I'm just reminding myself oh yeah you're right your favorite Aussie film is The Castle and the fact that the same guys who made that are now going to be like working with you for eight weeks how fucking cool is that like so because of that that level of gratitude kind of just gets like a rocket booster for me like I'm already a pretty grateful person but because I have to articulate it back to folks back in Sri Lanka who don't give a shit about you know the late show or not that they don't give a shit about they just don't have any context to what the late show or anything is that you know it really helps me to or even telling them who Hamish and Andy is and why you know like getting to be do some stuff with them and things like that although like there's literally the people I would listen to every day while I was in the accounting office and you know what are we like since 2009 I think I've never Never missed a single podcast episode of this. Like I've yeah. listened to every single episode, and yeah. you know, so so for me, when I tell them, oh, I'm going to be, you know, doing a you know podcast on the Little Dum Dum Club with Hamish Blake, um, it doesn't mean anything to them. But if I say, oh, do you remember that radio show that I listened to every fucking day for yeah. the last you know eleven years? That guy and I will be on the same thing. Like that is something that I have to break down for them. And yeah. it kind of reminds me of, oh, fuck, yeah, that's right. This is fucking cool. Absolutely. Do you have to relate everything back to Jason Donovan? Like, I'm going to be on uh, <laughs> Utopia. Utopia is a TV show like Neighbours yeah. that Jason Donovan was on. 
do you remember the first gig your parents saw? You yeah. do? Like, yeah. yeah, it was at, uh, do you remember the Lounge Cafe on Swanson Street? It was this, uh, uh, there was a guy called Spencer Hodges, who was a very, mm. uh, you know, uh, uh, animated looking guy. Yeah. Uh, I love Spencer, but yeah, it was a gig that he had put together. And um, it was the first night, I think, of that particular show. Yep. It, it's a gig that didn't last long, yep. uh, but it uh, basically, I thought was going to be, uh, a good one to bring them to because it had a big headliner and it might have a big crowd because that's the thing you, you just want to make sure that you're you have the best chance to succeed and um unfortunately that didn't work out it didn't <laughs> matter who was headlining uh hardly anyone showed up it was yeah. a pretty terrible gig and and in particular i was bad like so there's a whole bunch of things right. that made it difficult to 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 do well in but on top of that, I know I didn't even perform best because I must have been nervous or whatever. But uh, it was bad. Uh, I bombed and uh, I spoke to mum and dad afterwards. And uh, and mum said, uh, you look like you're having fun. And, you know, great. And 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 Because they've always been supportive. That's what another thing I think a lot of people are surprised when they, yeah, they find absolutely. out. You know, what do you, you get that? I think Ronnie Cheng used to have a question about what do your parents think about you doing comedy? It's mm. like, yeah, you're only asking me that because I'm, you know, from overseas. Like you wouldn't mm. give a shit if I was, no one's asking, you know, <laughs> Will Anderson, what do your parents think about you mm. doing comedy? <laughs> you know? But, um, but I, uh, I, 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 what I'll give them though is that they, they never made me, you know, they, they, they said, you know, if you if you're happy doing this, we'll support you. But I think as any parent, they just want to make sure you're going to be OK after they die. And there was nothing I did that night that showed that I was going to be OK. <laughs> <laughs> you know? In fact, it might have been like, oh, OK, but well, he's, he's definitely happier. That's that's the thing you can't deny that. I think you can even hear me light up every time I talk about stand up. Like there's no doubt that I love the fact that I get to do this. Right. And, um, oh, I should say past tense that we used to get to do this <laughs> stand up. But um, I think they, mom didn't, didn't come to a show afterwards. And that's nothing to do with not being supportive. It was just, she's got severe arthritis and further said, you know, it's, is painful enough, let alone to see her youngest child, you know, be delusional. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> adds to the so, pain. But dad, but dad kept coming. And then he saw one gig where I hosted the open mic night at the Comics Lounge. So mm. even though it was like a smaller crowd or whatever, there was a lot more. Um, I, I, there was a, he saw sides of me where I'm think, you know thinking on my feet, chatting to the crowd, and that's apparently Mum told me years later that Dad had come home going, "Oh, I think he, I, I think he might be good at this." Like we're not, <laughs> we're not there's, there's evidence to say that maybe he might be good. And here's the thing: like I've always. Very like I think the one thing I had was I was always self-aware about how bad I was at the start, so I never really like you know overtalked myself up. I was like I need to get better. I know I want to keep doing yeah. it, but I'm not good enough yet. So mm. so even in those times, like I was like yeah yeah no fair enough. I'm sorry you guys saw a bad one, but trust me, I've I've got a plan in my head. Don't worry, I'm just gonna keep doing this for the next twenty years, even if it takes right. But um, then I think that was when Dad was like I think it might be all right. So that was 2012, but then they came in 2017. And then when they saw me, it was me headlining the Comics Lounge. Wow. And um, it went, it is, I think to date, still stands as my best gig ever, I think, uh, because of how much nervous energy I had beforehand, the fact that they were in the crowd, the fact that it was like this stack lineup of people who were just killing it all night. And mom apparently was pack, like freaking out going, oh no, they're going to be too tired for Dill. I'm like, good comedy instincts, mom. <laughs> that is exactly the problem when you're the headliner is that the audience is too tired by the time they fucking, when you show up. But so I, because of all of that, I just came out and like 
like blitzed it because I was so scared about them having another experience like last time. Yeah. That that it went so well. And in fact, it, it is my wallpaper of my phone wow. from that time that they saw me <laughs> in front of the comics lounge. That's show, such a great photo. Uh, which I'm showing up to, to the listeners. I'm showing up to Sonia now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and I genuinely think of that as my peak in my career, mm-hmm. uh, November 2017, because for me, I never realized until that moment that everything I was doing in terms of chasing this dream was to kind of make them proud. Yeah. Even though they always showed that they were proud, yeah. mm-hmm. like seeing their smiling, stupid faces there, I'm like, oh, I know for sure that they're proud. Like, in fact, mom uh, had to be taken home early that night because her heart condition oh, flared up because she was so overexcited by the whole experience. And, and you know, and, and for them, like you got to think about they're this, you know, weird little couple back in Sri Lanka and now this moron child of theirs is having people line up to take photos with their son you know what I mean like like for them it was just too much like they just couldn't absorb they didn't they they, they knew things were going well for me like little by little but I guess seeing me do it uh and and again yeah like I said I think I don't think I've performed better than that since yeah (laughs) and like that five-year gap is like a huge amount of time for you to develop as an artist that would have been huge exactly and And I think Sonia you can back this up as well like there was definitely I think I had a spike uh, Mm. somewhere like Mm. there was like a really sort of stagnating three four years and then it just sort of came together so I think they it was quite a big difference for them but also the context of seeing you at that lounge gig the lounge to the lounge (laughs) the lounge the the first one where there might have been 15 people or 15 people maybe to the comics lounge which would have been four to five hundred people there that night depending on how many tickets you sell but like it was about 400 about 400 people there like really like just loving you into your stuff into your stuff and like five your parents watching like the 400 people around them just laughing at Mm. you um it's a bigger yeah it's a huge show it's a big difference those contexts yeah oh that's so great that's really sweet yeah it really and so the good thing for you that because I drew the line in the sand and call it like my peak because it's helped me psychologically because everything that has come since I kind of treat as a bonus. And in fact, Mel, I use uh, to try and explain to people what I mean by that is it's I always use the 07 grand final as an example where (laughs) it's like it's not like I haven't stopped trying. Like even though I consider that my career peak, I'm still I know, you know, I've arguably done things that are more reputable like the Logies since then. But I still think of that gig as the peak because it means that I still work harder, but I don't chase it the way I used to in terms of like needing it to work out. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm like, no, 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 it's, it's worked out better than I ever anticipated. And I, in a very, and the reason I use 07 as the example is because Geelong knew they won what in the first 10 minutes. But it uh, was, can, sorry, I really needed to say this. It was the biggest margin ever <laughs> in grand final history. Like that yeah. is insane. And I'm so proud of my team. You should be. And Geelong would have been justified if they took the foot off the pedal at that halfway time, halfway mark, because I don't think Port Adelaide could have even caught up to them, but they didn't. They just kept going. That's in a weird way. That's kind of what I feel like is like, even though I feel like I've hit everything I ever wanted to with comedy and all the things I really wanted to achieve, I've done at back by that point in November 2017. I was like, you know what? I'll keep going and I'll keep like working hard and, you know, literally crying after gigs some nights because of how bad it went Mm. but i'm not going to feel like if i don't if such and such thing doesn't happen then i've 
you know, I'm, I'm, I've failed as a person or whatever. Like for me, I'm like, no, it like genuinely, I did not think that things would get to that point where I'm able to perform as a headliner while mom and dad were still alive and for them to see me do it. So I, for me, the fact that they got to see that means that I did, I did what I wanted. Like, I didn't think I was going to be able to do. I I thought it was going to take like, you know, 15 years or so before I can start headlining and things like that. So for me, ever since then, all these things I treat as like, I still work hard, but I treat it as a bonus, you know? Oh, brilliant. You're a rock star. That's like um, the best attitude. Yeah, great perspective. Uh, you did say that you won't be able to see them for Christmas this year, uh, mm. obviously, um, with everything happening in the world. And so you would usually... Oh, not because of that. I'm just sick of their shit. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Can you notice any difference that you feel like visiting there now as when um, you first moved to Australia and visited Sri Lanka? Like, do you have any... Uh, do you have a feeling of more of a visitor at all or? Yeah, there's yeah. definitely a, a, a bigger disconnect uh, than I am comfortable with. For mm. starters, there was, since the war ended in Sri Lanka, the civil war, the developments that happened in the last decade are so rapid. Like yeah. it's it, it was a bit scary. Like every time I fly back, there's this huge building that showed up. Like we got our first highway I think eight years ago, you know what I mean? Like yeah. even seeing something like that, it was like, whoa, what is it? A highway from the airport? Like, I mean, I knew it was being built, but like the, when I first got on it, you know, things like that. Uh, so that's a weird feeling every time you go back, you know, quote unquote home and your home is looking less and less mm. like what's in your memory of it. Mm. So the family home is still there, the, the, the room that I grew up in and things like that. Um, so, uh, you know, even when I visit that. So we don't live there anymore as a family. But when I go there, I'm like, oh, man, I can't believe, like, this is 19 years of my life in this under this one roof and it feels not mine or it doesn't feel like it's, mm. you know, it's just it, there's something really uncomfortable about having to let go of that that version of the house that was in that is in my head that I'm cl- latching onto. But also... You know, you do get spoiled in Australia. Like there are things that I have started to assume is normal when I go back to Sri Lanka that I'm like, oh, fuck, really? Like, so, you know, say the plumbing fucks up or the electricity Mm. needs things like the the amount of moving parts that need to happen before you can get an electrician to come in. you got to find, you know, like something as simple as that or to even send to send something in the post like. There's literally, I think, someone, you know, in, in, in the Oz, like the equivalent of Oz post, whose job is to put the stamp on. I'm like, I yep. can do that. Like, <laughs> why does there need to be another person? And then I asked mom and dad about it. And apparently it's like this cliche about if you work in government, like if you're connected, they'll find jobs for whoever they're, you know, their gotcha. cousin's cousin's kid yep. or whatever. And, you know, so there's just literally a job made for someone to just go, all right, that's got a stamp now that can move to the next department. Like that type of bureaucracy was blowing my mm. mind. But also the one that really bummed me out the most was that KFC don't deliver chips in Sri Lanka. <laughs> like that is one of the most, I actually like escalated my delivery call to the manager. I'm like, go higher. I need to speak to someone higher. I was like, 
Uh, they were like, no, we don't deliver chips. I'm like, why not? They're like, we can't guarantee the conditions that they're going to be in by the time it'll be cold and we get too many complaints. I'm like, I'm not going to complain. Just send me my fucking chips. I was like, you know, I was like, they're like, sorry, we can't do that. I'm like, I think created imaginary kids. I'm like, I've got two kids who are starving, who just want some chips. Can you please make me look like a good dad? There was no dad. It was just me. I wanted the chips. <laughs> and they don't deliver hot chips. I'm just like, Do they so deliver like, chicken? They deliver chicken. chicken. Oh, this is why weird. my... It's so weird. Mel, I've not been angry all year. There's been a pandemic and I've not gotten this angry until remembering this fucking chips like incident. Chips? You can't really get sick from chips that have maybe been sitting around or they're not like... But fucking you chicken can't. is the thing that you would think that they wouldn't deliver because that's a dangerous thing. Like salmonella yeah. is so easy. I remember to, saying to okay. the guy on the phone, I'm like, just take a handful of that and just throw it in the bag. <laughs> And I will give, I will give the, I'll tip you like, you know, they just wouldn't do it. Wow. Oh, man. You joked that you had kids. You don't, obviously. Mm. Um, but you, you are an uncle, right? Ah, uh, don't do this. Well, I'm, I, I I'm sorry. Emotional. You're getting homesick. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to ask about the yeah. homesickness you feel mm. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's good. She's. Uh, I have a little niece. That's a. She's. She's above my mum and dad on the oh. on the photo there, in her little duck outfit, uh, <laughs> on my phone wallpaper. Um, she's good. She's. Uh, she. Uh, the reason I get emotional about it is because November fourth is her birthday, first birthday, and I was there for you know when she was born. And, and my brother and his wife live in India. Uh, his wife's Indian, so they live over there. And. Um, and I'd even like, you know, planned like well ahead of time. I told my management and everything. I said, okay, there's two weeks in November. Just block it out. I'm not going to be in Australia. I'm going to be in Mumbai for her birthday. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's not going to happen, especially because I think Mumbai's cases or India's cases keep, you know, I think they're expecting it to peak yeah. in November, in fact. Yeah. So uh, I, uh, she, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, uh, like I said, my brother is my best friend. And uh, the way I describe it is that he and I have always like, you know, shared uh, a, a, lo a love of things where it was like, you know, video, like Game Boys and movies and all that. It was always like he would get the cool gift or whatever and then share and play it with me. Mm -hmm. And now he's got this cool little thing oh. that's, you know, moving around that that I'm not allowed to be part of. And um, and also there's like genuine, like I'm aware of it, but there's genuine resentment me building towards her because, you know, my brother, like I was the youngest in the family for thir like 30. <laughs> Five years. I was the most doted upon and attention. Yeah, you're no longer like, the cute one. You're not the I'm baby. not the cute one. I'm not the young one. No one gives a shit about me. I'm like, even when the baby was born, it's like, you know, oh, how's the baby? It's like I'm a sort of baby. It's a bump right now, right? That thing's done nothing. I've got a fucking logie. Like, come on. I and, so, you know, that, yeah, I thought when you said don't bring this up, you were going to get too emotional because of the connection yeah, and the no. homesickness. But it's just really upset about not being. Yeah, there. no, just Baby's resenting it. It's like I've lost anyway. my. Yep. I've lost my best friend because my best friend has got a new best friend and it fucking <laughs> sucks. And, you know, and so, um, you know, like, obviously the, the, the interest, the, the amazing thing was like, in spite of me joking about all of that. And when I, when I saw her for the first time, like that emotional connection that I had to this blob 
where I was just like, you are fucking nothing and you've done nothing for me, but I'm willing to, like, right now I will die for you if you need yeah. it. Like, it's so, it's weird how biological that shit is. And I'm her yeah. uncle. I'm not even, the, you know, I'm not even the dad. And so I can't even imagine what it must be like to be a parent if that's the feeling I'm having as an uncle. And 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 she's, she's an asshole. Like, she really, because <laughs> she's so proud and she's so, because of COVID, she's only interacted with, like, three human beings, right? Mm -hmm. Mom and dad and uh, the nanny. So for her, as, you know, as far as the world goes, you know, this is it. So anything that's like, you know, and she's, she's obviously a tiny little thing that doesn't fully understand video calls and stuff, but she looks at me and every time the video pops up and I'm beaming because I'm like about to cry because I'm seeing her face and she just like literally sticks her nose up and then just turns her head. Her fav So the only time I get her attention is if I sing Old MacDonald and, uh, because it's her favorite song. And then she'll stare. And then as soon as I stop, she'll look away. So I went out of my way, bought a guitar, learned how to play Old MacDonald on the guitar. <laughs> wow. And I was trying to serenade her and she yawned in my fucking face. <laughs> she's, a, she's a real that... diarrhea dispenser. Oh, man, that is a power move. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Maybe you've got to learn how to play Jason Donovan songs on the guitar and she'll give you a smile. Yeah. <laughs> give that a go. Thanks so much for joining us, Dill. Uh, it's been awesome. Oh, my... Please, um, it's my been pleasure. So good. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, we shall meet again in the flesh <laughs> when comedy so. is back. Yeah, it's funny. Before you sent this text, I think the mm. last other text was ago. I'm like, can we call? Can we speak? I need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing in particular. Uh, I just yeah. want to talk. Can, oh, I'd love yeah. to do that too. Thanks for joining us. Where can people find your stuff online? So Dilruk J on Instagram is probably the best place to start where that's where I post most of my stuff. Uh, but I was also, you know, Facebook and, and Twitter, not so much Twitter. Twitter is just a mirror of my Instagram, really. But um, but otherwise, yeah, as you mentioned, the, my Amazon special, mm -hmm. it's on Amazon Prime. It's called Bundle of Joy. Uh, that one uh, is a good place to start. It actually does have the joke that Sonia referenced about refugees. So, that you I know, ruined. Sure <laughs> <laughs> I no, just no, no. like yeah, I'm glad you spoiled it you for reminded everyone. Me that, no, well, you reminded me that it used to be so graphic. I forgot that. And there's a part of me that feels bad that maybe I, it was more memorable when you had such a graphic <laughs> graphic description. But I would say, yeah, um, uh, that. And it's also if you have Audible, uh, uh, my stand-up is on Audible as well. It's the same special, but it's just the audio version of it. And also my podcast, Fitbit Pod. So if any yes. podcast listeners want to check that out, uh, Sonia, you've been on it. Uh, yeah. It's about me and my friend Ben Lomas. We were both about 125 kilos uh, at the start of 2018, and we decided to have a bet to see the first of us who can get under 100, uh, 100 kilos gets $1,000. So it yeah. kind of follows that bet, and then afterwards... Once the bet was over, we've had really, really funny and interesting people on the podcast to talk about their health journeys. And uh, we get a lot of – it's one of those ones that I think thank, thank, thanks to podcasts like that has kept me active because, you know, the listeners – we don't have a lot of listeners, but the ones that we have are so lovely and dedicated. I'm like, oh, I have to keep doing this. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, speaking of dedication, you can find us on Patreon if you'd like to support this show and um, make it so that we can keep doing more seasons, having more great guests and more um, really interesting chats. We're on Patreon for a few bucks a month. You will get bonus episodes. You'll get our fortnightly newsletter and we'll give you a shout out on the show. So um, please support if you can. Thank you so much and goodbye. Ciao. 
Thanks for listening to Who the Bloody Hell Are We? If you like what you're hearing, subscribe, rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. Audio production and original music is by Andre Christodoulou. Search for us on Facebook for more information about our guests, fun content and to keep the conversation going. Thank you.